You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, let's take a look at the cornerback position. One of the biggest things that you can never underestimate is the value of a cornerback in today's NFL. And you really can't undervalue it at the collegiate level. More teams going to spread offenses, more teams looking to expand their horizons with the passing game. That means cornerbacks are at an all-time high. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do that can help broadcast this podcast even better, go ahead and follow the name right down there below for those of you watching on WFFA. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So let's just get some housekeeping things out of the way real fast. There's good news coming out of College Station right now. Former five-star wide receiver Damon Diaz has been cleared and will return to the team's facilities for the upcoming fall camp. Now, for those of you who are wondering why is this such a big deal, well, Demas was suspended from Texas A&M, not the football program, because, of, of course, when you are suspended from anything, you're suspended from all activities, but he was suspended from the school. Why? Well, because of the arrest in Brazos County, with the marijuana charges. Again, we are not getting into that. That is a whole different subject. It's all based off of other things that are more proponent, but you do break the law. In the law of Texas, it still is a uh, at least a misdemeanor, depending on how much you have. You will go to jail, and he was arrested. But after meeting with the school, after meeting with the athletic facilities, he has now been reinstated and was at practice for uh, Monday afternoon, on March uh, 3rd, 29th. Yeah, now this is the statement that did come out by the school. Per athletic department policy, any Texas A&M student athlete that is suspended from athletics upon arrest, the individual that will then meet with the athletic department's personnel and the appropriate course of action will be, be determined on a case-by-case basis. So, again, it was a minimal case. It wasn't something that needed to be blown out of proportion. And with that, you were able to see uh, A&M kind of come to an agreement, meet a, meet a common ground, and Demas is back. Now, what does this mean for Demas? One, I don't think much on the personal record thing. You know, uh, it wasn't a massive charge. So this should be able to be cleared, but it does raise the caution around the team. This is a player who last season was hopeful would expand his role. He was hopeful that he would be a starter, especially when you look at his numbers he posted coming out of high school. He averaged 30 yards per catch his final season. He was a, you know, a 4-4-40 kind of guy. He had a 41-inch vertical. He long jumped like 23 feet or something along the lines of that. And he had the agility to be one of these superstar athletes. But he didn't really see much action. He only played in four games. He was very limited. He didn't record a catch. He was basically used as a blocker. And nobody really knew what to make of him. And this was a top 25 player on 
the 24-7 sports charts. So when you see all that, and this is the problem, I do believe that is a big deal. And maybe that was something that Jimbo Fisher said, listen, there's some things about this kid that I really like. There's some things I don't really like, and we want to get them out of him. And then maybe after all this happened, they sat him down and they said, look, this is it. This is your one shot. Once this happens, we will not bring you back if something else happens. And you see it consistently in the in the college levels. Unfortunately, this is the rule. And your talent has to meet under the ability of the law. When the law trumps the talent, you are no longer part of the system. And you are no longer viewed as an asset of the team. So I do look at this and I go, okay, A&M probably gave him a fair warning, which is fine, which is actually great. However, what is that warning? And how long will it be before this becomes another problem? For now, great. Demas is back. Demas is healthy. Demas will have a shot to become the number one wide receiver like everyone at at the 12th man expected last season. But also... Be wary, because it only takes one more offense for Demas not to be a Texas A&M Aggie anymore. With the combine coming right around the corner, or I mean A&M's pro day, my bad, the NFL draft subject is going to be at an all-time high. But it's also never too early to look at next year's draft. And that's exactly what a couple of draft scouts are doing right now when looking at Texas A&M film. Yes, Buddy Johnson is a very talented player. Yes, Bobby Brown is a very talented player. And yes, Kellen Mond is a very talented player. But the other names that stick out around them are Anaya Smith, Isaiah Spiller, Andre White, DeMarvin Leal, and the guy we're about to talk about, Kenyon Green. Green, the All-American guard, who has a chance to move to left tackle, which I do believe is going to be the ultimate case when it does come time to announce the starting five offensive linemen, is probably viewed by many as a multi-tooled offensive lineman that can make our system better every single time he steps onto the field. And with that in mind, you look at, you know, where people are starting to view him in the NFL and what he could be next season. And already there's been a few NFL draft scouts who believe that he has a shot to be one of the upcoming big time names in the NFL for 2022. It's because of his ability as a pass blocker and his ability to help st- establish the run. One thing that AM has been known for for the past, I want to say now three seasons. I think it's, yeah, about three or four seasons. Three out of the last, no, three out of the last four seasons. There we go. Uh, yeah, that 2019 season was a rough one. But three out of the last four seasons, AM has had a very successful running game. They've been very talented moving the ball on the ground. They've been very good at keeping drives alive on third and short, on second and seven, on uh, first and 10, on first and 15, with big runs set up by their running backs. It started with Travion Williams, and it's moved over to Isaiah Spiller, and Devon A-Chain has stepped up, and Anaya Smith has stepped up. But it all also happens because of a good offensive line. And right now, or at least 2020, the offensive line was at an all-time high for Texas A&M. What matters is, who was sticking out the most? If Dan Moore was sticking out the most over Kenyon Green, that might be good for Green because if it shows, oh, well, he was number two, he now takes over as number one, can he be better now that he is moving from that left guard position to that left tackle position? 
if he is the number one offensive lineman last season, that's great for personal stock. And I just mean personal stock alone. Because of with Green, what this does now is it adds his value as on a team that only allowed four sacks, I was the most consistent player. I did the most work on the ground. I did the most work as a pass blocker. You watch my feet. You watch my hands. You watch my footwork. You watch the way that I can match on double teams. You watch the way that I can take on you know, solo shots. I do it all. And teams are going to look at that, and they're going to circle number 65 and go, who is that? We need to be watching him. Scouts will be coming up to College Station next season. They'll be getting a close and personal look. He'll start going through the draft process, and there's a very good shot if he continues to do what he's already doing, he will be in line to make his name known for 2022. A lot of people that I've already spoken to believe that Green has the shot to be the number one interior offensive lineman if he stays a guard next season or a top two or three offensive tackle in the 2022 NFL draft class. You know what I really don't like? I don't like going to the store. And when I mean the store, I mean the car store. Why do I have to go back to the dealership to go take my car in to have them go install a part that they have to order? I have to pay the shipping and handling fees. And I could do it all myself if I just knew where to meet in the middle. Well, meet the middle. And that'd be rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have a variety of selections from engine modules to tail lamps to gas lights. Everything you need for your daily driver or to recall a brand old classic. Plus, their unique catalog allows you to surf, surface every single thing that you could ever need in your car. Just type in the address. Type in the car, the model, the year, the color, and most specifically, their low, low price. Go visit rockauto.com and use the promo code locked on on the How to Hear About section so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Full Thompson back in action talking all things Texas AM. Give me 25 minutes. Just give me 25 minutes of your day and I will get you caught up on everything you need to know about the world of sports. Well, not me specifically, but Peter Bukowski and the Locked On Today podcast definitely will. Peter brings a unique style of journalistic approach addressing all major sports in America with a fun, unique personality that allows you to find everything out in just 25 minutes or less. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So as I said today, we're going to talk a lot about the cornerback position. And the cornerback role is so essential in today's college level. You look at the SEC, and for years and years and years, it was known as just a great running back committee conference. I mean, you, like look at the names who have come out of even small smaller schools like Tennessee and, and Kentucky and South Carolina, and, you know, some of the biggest stars that never were, like a Marcus Lattimore, a Trey Williams, a, uh, you know, a, a, a Christian Michael. All these guys were in the SEC, and they were all so established, and they all did a fantastic job on the ground. And then you have your big-time guys, like the Trent Richardsons, and the Najee Harrises, and the um, the Nick Chubbs, and the Sony Michelles. And you can go to Florida even with guys like Percy Harvin. But then 
right around that time of Percy Harvin, right around that time of Mark Ingram, passing became really fun. And passing became a really big deal. So you need to get better on the outside at your cornerback position. And then about maybe five or six years ago, the tight end role really started to pick up. It wasn't just a blocker. It wasn't just a overall, you know, oh, third and short guy. Now, they became real threats. They started making a name for themselves. OJ Howard became a really big name. Jay Sternberger became a big name. And most recently, Kyle Pitts is the next in line as an SEC tight end who has all the intangibles to be a talented receiving option first. And after that, still a pretty nifty blocker when it comes to the run game. Why? Simple. Because of they need to be more well-rounded. And when that happens, your secondary needs to be more well-rounded. Your linebackers have to be able to cover. Your safeties have to be able to cover. They have to be able to play both zone and man. They have to be able to play over the top. You have to have a, a nickel defender almost out there every single play because the three wide receiver sets are becoming huge. And that nickel defender is also known as a slot cornerback. So the cornerback position in the SEC now is essential. And when you look at what's going out this upcoming year, two of the top three cornerbacks consensually came to the SEC in Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. Now we're moving on to next season, and I would not be shocked to see A&M be in that same line again because think about this. They have a lot of young talent, but they also have some old talent coming back. And because of the, you know, allegations that allow players to have that extra year of eligibility, Miles Jones, the two-year starter, will be coming back for his third year. This is a long, uh, uh, lengthy corner with good size, great arm lengths. He can play well against the run. He doesn't usually have long speed, but he's really good on those short intermediate passes, intermediate routes. He was the guy who stepped up as the number one cornerback for AM last year. He was in charge of covering consistently that number one target on every single team. He's physical. He does a very good job of addressing the run need. Good hand-eye coordination. He can have fluid hips. They can be a little jerky, but he also has really good vision that makes up for it. He stepped up immensely from year one to year two. And if he has a breakout year in year three, I would not be shocked to see him be one of the top cornerbacks in the SEC. Now, again, he's coming off of a leg injury. And maybe that affected his draft stock. Maybe because if he missed two games, he went out there and he said, okay, well, if I miss two games, what do I do now? Do I go to the NFL or do I stay? Well, in my opinion, you stay because if you have an extra year of eligibility and you better your stock. If you are a guy like Jones, who maybe is a fringe late day three pick, I mean, and at that, you're, you maybe go undrafted. So you got to do what's best for yourself. But I don't expect him to be the number one cornerback anymore. And why do I say that? Because Jalen Jones will be in his second year. The former five-star safety turned cornerback has exactly the range, the style, and the physical demeanor that Jimbo Fisher loves in his cornerbacks. This was a guy who last season did a good job in his backpedal, was quick on his release when it came to breaking on the ball. 
He had great flexibility to play both in a high stance and a low stance. He didn't really give up much of a cushion outside the Alabama game, which came in week two. And he was very strong when it came to breaking on the ball and making a play in front of him. The problem is, and the one thing you want to see in camp this year, can he get better at breaking on the ball when he's facing wideouts on single man coverage? So what that means is you have everyone playing to the boundary side. So you have three receivers lined up, and then to the field side, it's a one-on-one matchup. To some, they would view that field side matchup as the better matchup for their overall guy because if they have a young cornerback in Jalen Jones on the field. But that may not be the case because of he has a year under his belt. You want to be able to see him take that next step where wideouts who have quality speed don't eat his cushion too quickly and then he loses them in a step. So I do believe that when you go into next year, you have those two guys as your top cornerbacks. And then you have your rotational outside cornerback. The guy who I think first comes to mind is Brian George. George last season came from a community college. He was one of the top community college transfers in the country from Kansas. Uh, bigger size than both Jones and Jones. Yeah, my bad. I just, I just realized. Yeah, both Joneses. He's six foot two. He has good length. And he saw most of his action come in the third quarter when they were looking for a dime formation or a big nickel, he would actually come in and play that big nickel role or Jones would move in and Brian George would play on the outside. He had an interception in the very last game of the year. Um, He filled in pretty nicely for Miles Jones overall. The problem is, is that he didn't have that experience playing at an FCS or an FBS level before last season. He came from Highland Community College, I think it was. So, the lack of talent there shows it's basically you were a kid who needed a little bit more time to develop. And on top of all of that, you still need a bit more time after high school to develop. So we went a different route and now you got thrown into the fire and you weren't able to keep up, which is okay for now because if I do believe that was always the plan, you play him a little bit more down the line. Now he has a year under his belt. Now he has the size Can he be the big nickel? Can he probably compete with Jones on the outside? Can Jones possibly move inwards a little bit more for the big nickel? How will his skills enhance next season, especially after two big-time games against North Carolina and Tennessee to close out the year? We are almost to the Final Four, and the Final Four is going to be a very interesting one this year as two Texas schools have already clinched their berth in Baylor and Houston. But for anyone else who wants to make bets out there, make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Betonline.ag gives you the best payouts, the best bets, and the best lines every single day and highlight information to help you win your bet when you follow them on social media at betonline underscore ag do not forget the underscore and of course you can always make your bet online and get into the action right now when you sign up at betonline.ag make sure you use the promo code locked on to save 50 percent off as a welcome bonus betonline.ag your online sportsbooks experts this episode of Lock on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, we've been telling you for a while that Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market right now because it's low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. But what's the best one? 
That's why we have our Built Bar Bracket Madness Challenge. And we are in our flavorful four, our final three matchups of the season today. Cookies and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk to move on to the grand finale. It's basically like picking between Cookie Crisp and, to me, uh, uh, that Hershey Milk Chocolate Cookies and Cream Bar, if anyone has ever had it. It's delightful. I am going to lean this way, and I did not think I would ever have to go against these two. But I'm going to go Cookies and Cream, moving them on. That's my second favorite bar that Built Bar has, but it doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what you think. Make sure you go to visit BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And make sure you check in and register your vote to see who will be moving on to the championship against either Cookies and Cream or Cookie Dough Crutch. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. The NFL draft is right around the corner, and we have two very special NFL draft shows to get you prepared. Draft Dude with Joe Perino and Kyle Krabs gives you all the basic knowledge about every single prospect in the 2021 NFL draft. And of course, Locked On NFL Draft with Benjamin Solak and Trevor Sikama give you the mock drafts and updated big boards that everyone will be looking forward towards as the NFL draft writes around the corner. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so we already mentioned who are probably going to be the top three names for next season. And I would say right now, it would be Brian George as your guy that if you want to play the big nickel, he moves in, Miles Jones moves out. And until then, it'd be Miles Jones is probably your CB2. And I believe Jalen Jones will take over as your prime CB1. Now, who else is on the roster? I think a lot of people forget this name, but Elijah Blades. Blades was the grad, I mean, was the junior college transfer before Ryan George became this big time name. He was a name that everyone thought was going to have a big uh, breakout year. He played very well after missing about half the season in 2019. And in six games, he actually did a very good job breaking up plays, connecting on the ball, actually letting receivers stay in front of him. He didn't allow much behind him. He was a lot better in zone coverage than I thought he was a man. But he also opted out at the start of the year. Everyone thought he was going to go to the NFL draft at that point. Well, by midseason, he elected to opt back in, and even though he didn't play much in 2020, he will be on the roster in 2021. I do wonder if his speed, his size, and his ability to play in zone coverage works this year. Because of Mike Elko, I do think he's going to run a lot more zone than he is man. But he's very lean. He's very lanky. He's got the big frame. But with that big frame, he doesn't have any meat on the bones. And when you're covering a guy in the slot, like a you know, like a smaller slot receiver at like 5'10", who weighs 190, it's not a big of a deal. You may be covering a six foot two wide receiver, just as tall as you are. But if you weigh 190 and they weigh 230 and they're moving as fast as you, that could be the problem. And that's where I think the biggest thing is going to be. Can he show this this upcoming offseason that he can win in battles against receivers inside of his own draft class to be able to show that he can be a full-time starter next season? The other name to watch for is Antonio Johnson. This is your nickel defender. This is the guy I was talking about. So Johnson is a safety, to be honest. And when he goes to the NFL, I do believe he will be a safety. But they're playing him as nickel corner because if he's physical. 
And what he did at the end of the season in favor of Devin Morris was that physical presence that's needed against the run. He does a good job uh, playing quick to the ball. He's a good read and react guy. I do think that the biggest problem with him is that you're asking him to play more man coverage when safeties will play man coverage, but they have about an eight-yard cushion versus a one-and-a-half, maybe two-yard cushion at the most when it comes to facing receivers. So they have to be even quicker than they already are to make sure that a double move at the line of scrimmage isn't the dead factor. And it's hard to do when all you do is play safety, and then you're even taking reps at safety throughout the regular season, and then they go, hey, can you move into the nickel? So I do give him the benefit of the doubt there. And I do think if Devin Morris is going to miss some time, this is going to be very interesting to see where his role will be. And finally, the other thing to watch for is Eric Young. He made six starts last year at the nickel, but he's also played time on the outside, especially during his freshman year as a uh, as a cornerback. He was recruited to play corner. They moved into safety. He's now back at the nickel. He's actually the stockiest of the cornerbacks. This is the guy who, if you really want to play big nickel, I mean big nickel where it's physical, he is dead on your run stopper. If you're going to play a dime formation, it also works with him as well. He's 205, six foot on the dot. So he is more of your broad shoulder, big, burly guy who's going to shuck his way into the backfield against tight ends. He's going to be physical at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be the one who's making a lot of run stops. He's going to be the one to make a lot of plays. Uh, Lesser downfield, he's going to be someone to watch for in that style. And I do think that when you watch what he brings as a player, it's run first pass later. So maybe that's limited his role. Maybe when they run a three, two, six, or they run a three, uh, four, one, six with a dime formation, he will be, he will be a factor in it, but I don't see him being the full fledged starter at the nickel position next year. And if I were to go right now, with Devin Morris' situation going on, I would say your two out outside cornerbacks are 100% going to be the Joneses again. Johnson will be your nickel defender. And then after that, you'll have to play based off coverage. If you want to go big nickel, I think they maybe will take out Johnson. They'll move Brian George to the outside. They'll move Miles Jones in. If you want to go dime formation, I think you could see a mix of uh, both Johnson and, uh, sorry about that, uh, and Eric Young. I think if you're trying to go with a double, uh, you know, a double safety set down low and a double safety set up high, that's where you play Young and that's where you play Johnson. I think that there's a couple of plays where you will see Elijah Blades in, especially if you have a quicker, smaller cornerback on the outside for secondary matchups. Everything I think moving forward is about matchup play. And for AM, that's exactly what kind of spot they want to be in going into 2020. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. On tomorrow's show, we'll be talking about the Pro Day. Texas A&M's Pro Day is coming up, and we will have updated information on what went down in College Station on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you subscribe. We'll see you then. And remember, you give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.